This episode is brought to you by 17 Hats, your all-in-one business management platform to save you from time-sucking tasks. Put hours back in your day with easy-to-use features like online scheduling, invoices, contracts, questionnaires, and much more. Learn more at 17hats.com. You are listening to the Photobomb Podcast with the world's greatest photographers, Boo Ray and Gary. Welcome to the Photobomb Podcast. My name is Boo Ray Perry, and joining me as always is Gary Hughes. Got a family emergency All over right. here, All right. and I wanted to run this by you. Okay. Because you're, you're a girl dad, right? I am, in fact, a girl dad, as you well know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're a girl dad. So, uh, And your girls are of, of the dating age, right? They're like... Oh, yes. Oh, yes. My, uh, my oldest has been dating the same boy for over a year now. And, wow. Um, and my youngest broke up with her boyfriend just recently. Uh, poor kid, you know? But, uh, well, so you've been through the thing, like, when was the first time that your daughters showed interest in boys? And what was your, what was your reaction? What was that like? You know, to be fair, my girls never showed a great deal of interest in boys. I never had boy happy girls, you know, um, they just, they, they just weren't, There, there was never the nights of the crying and the, the, I'm, I'm really, really interested in this boy and he's not interested in me. No, it was like they weren't really interested in boys and then they both had boyfriends. It just <laughs> it went. Was, it just happened. Yeah, it was just like that. You know, I, I mean, there was some like, sure, McKenzie in, in elementary school had a crush on a, a, a little boy in class who was just so attractive and so obviously gay. And, you know, so that we thought that was hilarious. And, and he is gay. They're friends to this day. And, um, you know, but I mean, but but then once it got like in the middle school, it was just that yeah, boys are just stupid. OK, well, um, you know, my my four year old started preschool this year right. and she goes to the, the preschool at the Science Center, which is, you know, it's a great preschool. We were very lucky to get in there. We got in off the waiting list and they use this this app. Like a lot of schools do now, like you check them in using the app and then throughout the day, they'll send you photos of what the kids are doing and then you get notified if your kid is checked out. And so, and then they can send you little notes to make sure that so-and-so brings such and such to school and this day we learn this. And so, yeah, it's, a, it's very useful. So I'm sitting at my desk and then I get a notification from the app that says a new photo of Josephine has been posted and so I always open up. I'd like to look. It just feels you know, like I'm in touch with her throughout okay. the day. Like it's a good right. feeling. It's, it's cool, right? So they had this day at the science center where the preschool's on like the bottom floor. And then occasionally the kids, they'll get to go up and interact with the exhibits. And for some reason, they had like chinchilla day, you know, like they had a day where they brought in a chinchilla for okay. the kids to, to see. And right. if you're not familiar with a chinchilla, it's a... Uh, a chinchilla is an animal that's so cute, it could cause you to go insane. Yeah, you want to groom them early for wearing chinchilla coats and chinchilla scarves, yeah, sure. chinchilla hats. You want to get them used to this animal before they kill it and skin it for clothing. Correct. Chinchilla underwear is really where it's at. It's yes. like the uh, newest thing at Lululemon is the <laughs> chinchilla, chinchilla underwear. They leave the face right on the front of the crotch. The chinchilla's head <laughs> is there. Nice. That's, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah, very nice. Just to pay a little tribute, like thanking the chinchilla for giving up its life to keep your junk pressed closely to your body for production. <laughs> right. Way, way off topic here, but okay. So it's Chinchilla Day at, right. uh, at, uh, at the preschool. 
And and so I get a little picture, and there's all the kids are are lined up against this wall. And instead of letting all the kids handle the chinchilla, which would be really cruel, you know, with a bunch of four and five year olds, they put it in one of those big plastic hamster balls, and they let the chinchilla roll around and each kid can kind of like you know they get to all interact without the chinchilla escaping like a big soccer ball with a rodent in it this this yes, this yes. seems much more humane <laughs> that's me. what i was saying in it a seemed... room full of small children <laughs> How t- <laughs> this seems so humane so much nicer <laughs> than being held and gently caressed and held to medieval torture chest device that they have here instead we're going to put the chinchilla in a giant ball and imagine run imagine if they were like okay <laughs> you get to choose the terms of your own death. And one of them is, we're going to put you inside this giant plastic sphere and then set you down in a world of giant infants. And, uh, and, and, and then you're going to be in a room full of screaming giants. This giant, giant, <laughs> young giants who don't know their own strength or power with their big shoes on. And that's where we're going to put you. Or we could just rip out your entrails with a hook. I'll take the hook. Hook, please. Hook, 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 please. Quicker. Yes, it's like a really like weird version of Maze Runner or the Hunger Games. But anyway, so like all the kids are lined up against the wall, seated, crisscross applesauce like you do, and they uh, and there's Josie in the picture. And I'm not sure how they identify which kids in what picture or if it uses facial recognition of some kind. I have no idea. All I know is that... It's AI, Gary. It's, it's the robot overlords. Long may they reign. Well, clearly they're watching my daughter at school then. And so I look, and she's she's got her best friend at, at preschool, who she's always next to in every picture. But in this picture, her best friend is nowhere to be found. Okay. And so I, so I, I, I zoomed in on the picture... And she's sitting next to a boy. All right. And this boy is leaning in, talking to her, and his arm is around her. Oh, all right. And so I zoomed in. I screenshotted it, and I texted it to my wife. I'm like, (laughs) who the hell is this kid? That's right. Who the hell is this kid touching my daughter? He's got his arm around her, like doing the lean in. You know, like you do at a bar where your arm's around the back of a chair. No. Mm -mm. Right. No. So... I got, so the real question is this: Can I find a hamster ball the size of a five-year-old? <laughs> yeah. Put this kid in it and kick yeah. him around. Kick for him a around bit. for a while, and you know he's leaning in to say something sexy like "boogers are cool." <laughs> <laughs> like, do you eat boogers? <laughs> yeah, you know. I'm, what are you worried about, Gary? Come on, <laughs> Not, nothing. He's four. <laughs> he's four. <laughs> I'm just saying, it starts early. You got to get. You got to dip you these things in, in the there. bud. You got to nip these things in the bud early. Okay. So I, I, I was at dinner last night telling There's no the bud nipping room. at my house, by the way. There's no bud nipping? No. no that's, we are no. complete. We are, we are way too open in my relationship with my family. Like, my okay. daughters say things to me that no father should ever have to hear from their daughter regarding boys, sex, the whole nine yards. Like, I can't even repeat it on the podcast, the stuff that some of them, that, something my 16-year-old said to me recently that just gobsmacked me. <laughs> <laughs> and I had to sit there as the progressive dad and go, oh, okay. When in my head, I'm going, oh, God, please, I don't want to, want to hear that. This is much worse than the whole <laughs> visualizing ears. your parents having sex thing. It's much worse. I can't worse. unhear. I can't Yes, unhear. I cannot unhear that. Yeah, well, at the same time, you know, there is a little bit of, of wisdom there, I think, in just sort of 
you know, kids, oh, here's a good example. I had a friend in high school and his parents were like very, very religious and very, very strict. And it was like he had to call every like hour, had right. to be home at certain times, call and ask permission for every little thing. And like everything was a big deal. And he was, he was basically on lockdown a lot of the time. And this same friend and I ended up moving to college together and getting an apartment. And, and the rest of us had had like relatively normal teenage years. Uh, and when we got to college, he lost his mind. Oh, yeah. He was like, it was like <laughs> yeah. alcohol, drugs, yeah. women. Like, I don't think we lived together, and I don't think I saw him again yeah. until, like, we were 30. Like, yeah. he just went just just deep into it. He just went balls deep into the alternative yeah, there was no, lifestyle. Th- th- there was no, I mean, I don't know, maybe it's a cliche, and, and maybe there aren't statistics to back it up, but it sure seemed like growing up, the kids who had the most strict parents were the wildest. Right when they got when they got out from under the thumb, you yeah. Know? The one, even when they didn't get out from under the thumb, the preacher's daughter was one of the first ones to have sex. Oh yeah, yeah. Every time, take that take that promise ring and throw it right in the trash. Yeah, the ones who were very progressive and very and all that kind of stuff. That the kid the kids were much better about making decisions. I felt you know, and my and my own daughters are a good example of that too. I think, but again, that's just. You know, maybe one of those, you only notice the white van when it's on the corner. So maybe that's not true. Maybe statistics don't back that up, but it sure seemed that way. Yeah. So that's, that's kind of what I'm thinking. It's just, you know, we're out to dinner with some friends and I mentioned it. And, you know, I, I was telling them the same story that I told you. And then Josie was sitting next to me. I go, Josie, you, you know, you're not allowed to have a boyfriend yet, right? She goes, dad. I'm like, what? She just shakes her head. <laughs> so she's like, like like you have no idea what's what's coming like that's it she's, she's like well yeah there, there's two things there one could be like that i would even have a boyfriend that's just you're just being silly dad and then the other thing is the head shake that's like i already have a boyfriend dad <laughs> i'm just not telling you about it his name is raul that's and right he, uh, yeah exactly that's cool. he likes boogers dad so I, he loves, he asked me, uh, I knew that it was, he was the one as soon as <laughs> yes. he. Um, we, we bonded over our mutual love of boogers. And eating them. Yes, yes. It was great. So I was at a job this week. I went up to DC to do some photography for a great photographer in Chicago where your name's Tori Soper. And she hired me to come up and shoot headshots uh, with her because she kind of put a whole team together for this big corporate job. And this is a real like conservative set of people everybody's ties and jackets and looking good this wasn't like a tech conference where everybody's wearing like a 900 hundred dollar t-shirt this is like you know the old school you know jacket and tie crowd and because it's dc downtown it was downtown washington dc and because it was you know um you know there was a lot of security right so there's a lot of security and so i would get there early in the morning the only people out and about were me and the security guys so i you know, I always say hi to the security guys that show them my badge in the morning. Hey, how you doing? How you doing? Walking by. And I went to go to lunch, and I saw one of the security guys I'd said hi to a couple of mornings. And, uh, you know, nodded. He nodded back. And so I stopped just to chat with him a little bit. You know, how's it going or whatever. And then he... <laughs> talk about, like, awkward white guy moments. Let's okay. just let's talk about awkward white guy moments. Because this guy, he's, he's, a, he's a beautiful man. He's bald with a beard. He's six foot five. He's built like the size of a house and he's dressed in a suit like that's just perfectly cut for him. And he's just like looks like security. He's just a, this big, beautiful black man. And he raises his fist. He like raises his fist. I'm like, oh, he wants to fist bump me. Yes. And so I was like, I got it. I'm there. And I tapped his fist with my fist until I realized he was just looking at his watch to see what time it was. <laughs> 
He was just checking the time. Oh, I love it because that's the sort of thing that you will think about for the next 10 years. Yes. You will, you will replay that moment in your head for the rest yes. of your life. You'll be trying to go to sleep at night. You'll be like, oh, you remember that time I tried to fist bump that dude in D.C.? And he was not even going in for the fist bump. Oh, my God. That's the, those are the little things in life that just they just oh for the rest of your life. Yep. I, I feel I feel weird just thinking about it. I'm like, oh, God. Oh, I thought we were cool, and I thought, no, I'm oh not cool. Oh my god! Yeah, because you never, and you never let it go. No, I still. Never. I just tell my wife to say that I still to this day can remember where I was standing. I can remember everything about the scene the day in junior high when Dina Morris wrote her phone number down on my notebook and handed it to me, and I looked at it and had no idea what I was supposed to do with it. <laughs> I just, <laughs> I just was like, okay, and. I had no idea that she was trying to tell me that I should call her and maybe and I just couldn't and to this day it bothers me. To this day I'm like, "Oh my god, what an idiot. What an yeah. idiot that I didn't know what to do in this particular social situation, but this is even better because you're a yes. grown Oh yeah, I'm a middle-aged man who should have these things, should know these things. It's like when somebody goes to give you the wave and then you high-five it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. This is this is my most Larry David moment of Larry David moments. Yes. That was it was just completely and totally awkward. But you know when I think about it, I'm so bad at the, some social cues. And every once in a while, I'll think about all the times in my life because I've never been really good at talking to women, to talking to girls, and I've always been kind of oblivious if a girl is into me. And that's been my whole life. And like, you ever had those years later? You're like 25. And then you see an old friend from high school, and they're like, oh, dude, yeah, she was so into All she did was talk about you. Like, yeah, I can't believe yeah. you guys never got together. Yeah, that's like, the worst. That's the worst. You're like, oh, my my prospects were so unbelievably low in high school, and you're telling me there was somebody who liked me? Come on. <laughs> that's just cruel. That's just, don't ever tell me that. Don't ever, ever tell again. me that. I don't I'm not going to replay my whole life. What would have happened if I had gone out with Dina Morris? Instead, she married a friend of mine. Oh, well, <laughs> you know. You know, that's that's just how life goes sometimes. But here's the thing. When in that moment, and this is where I differ from some people like today, here's how I here's how I make that moment go away. And that is if I had done that, I would have immediately started laughing and then immediately made fun of it. I would have been like the fist Dude, bump. Yeah. I, th I thought you were going for the fist bump. Oh my God. Bring I would immediately that's how I diffuse it. Because now it just becomes a joke between the two of them. And so much comedy that you see in television is based on the idea that people won't communicate. Instead they'll just They'll just eat, eat that cringe, and, just, and that's funny, but it frustrates me because in real life, you're like, oh, just say something. You can just say something. And yeah, how many, how many dramatic, awful moments in television that oh lead to God. like a death or war or something that could have been averted by just saying five more words? Yes, yeah, yeah but just, you know? by just <laughs> saying, oh, hey, you know, I didn't mean that that way, or whatever. You know, so yeah, I'm with the you The scene ends and now creates dramatic. But I didn't ha have the presence of mind to make a joke out of it. I just said... All right, see you later. <laughs> now it's going to be with you forever, man. That's forever it. Forever you're going to be carrying That's... this with you. Yep. Uh, my, I, I discovered my kids do something uh, this week that I didn't know. We had a discussion about this last night, and, and, and they flat refused to accept that I was right. Oh, like, as, like they do. Yeah, like they do. That um, Mackenzie was talking about a score she got on a test, mm -hmm. and she said, well, you know, I got an 100. She said what now? She said, I got an 100. She said, I got an 100. Yeah, I got an a 100. Okay, let me just make sure I have this right. Yeah. So she said, 
I got right. N A N right. space. Yes. A. Yes. Space. Yes. Hundred. Yes, but they say it all quickly. I got N a hundred. That's horrifying. <laughs> that, thank you. I was, I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I shut everything down. I'm like, okay, <laughs> completely stop the proceedings here. We're gonna stop here. What did you just say? I said I got a hundred. No, 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 no. You got a hundred. Or I got a one hundred. Yeah, I got a one hundred or I got a hundred. You know, because H is so it's you know A before you know and before vowel sounds, and and I'm like so I got a, I got a hundred. You mean you got a hundred? She goes I got a I got in a hundred. She goes that's just no. what that's what everybody says, Dad. That's what that's what everybody says. And then she tried to actually justify it to me. Mm-hmm. Okay, this this aggression will not stand. I said, would you say I got in an A? And she said, no, I I got an A. I said, well, it's the same thing. A hundred is a score. And an A is a score. She goes, yeah, but you didn't say 100 is a score. You said A100 is a score. And I'm like, okay, that's good. That's nice. I like that. You, you, you pointed out that I did say A100 was a score. It's not just 100 is a score. I said, that's, that's, that's valid. But still, you don't say an A. Why would you say an A? It's one or the other. 100 is also not good grammar. No. So, hun- no. so 100 isn't a number. 100 is like a suffix of a number. 100, 200, 300. Right. There you go. So the correct grammar would be, I got a 100. That would be correct. That would be correct. But, I, but we're, that's a bridge too far. No, but you guys <laughs> are arguing over who's less wrong. So you're both wrong. So saying I got 100 well, is just as grammatically incorrect as saying I got an 100. I don't think that it, I don't think it's necessarily that. I mean, I think the argument can be made that saying that that hundred is a score, that a hundred. And it's not a score. One hundred is a score. A hundred, one hundred is a score. But it's just a question of degrees. You're saying because a hundred is not specific enough because a hundred could be which hundred are we talking about? Exactly. I got a one hundred. But in this context, I think we all know that with, when you're talking about a score, it's a hundred. I think you're talking about sort of like the colloquial way of speaking, and both are incorrect and both are correct. But I also think that you're right. Thank you. Right. So, I mean, there, there can certainly be, if you want to get really strict, you can really get strict about what I'm saying too. But an A, that's just nuts. And she was, yeah. she, and she, not only was she like, this is just the way the kids talk, but she was also trying to defend it logically, which I gave her credit for. Because that's exactly what you would do. Yeah, because that's what I would do. But I was just like, that's just ridiculous. Why would you say an 100? Yeah, well, here's the problem. You put a premium on logic, which means that you're going to be living in a world where you're constantly frustrated Mm. because people don't make logical decisions. Mm -hmm. And so I I just, I, I weep for you. Yeah. Moving through this, mo- moving through this world it as a logical not, person. It is not easy being me. It is not easy no. being you. Don't, you don't want to go to the doctor's office with me when they hand me the clipboard and say, "Can you fill out these forms?" And I say, "Aren't these the same forms I filled out the last year when I was here, and the year before, and the year before, and the year before?" And now suddenly they hate me, and I'm just like, "I don't understand why I'm filling out this form again." You have my address. You have all this information, and none of it has changed. Why do you need me to write it all out again? I, I understand the forms, and I saw you post about this on Facebook. I was, I was pleasantly surprised at the number of people who chimed in on Facebook on my post and were like, yes, that drives me crazy. Here, it's just one of these things that I'm not frustrated that I have to fill out the forms per se. And I give, the cra- I give them crap every time I go to the doctor's office and this happens. I'm like, 
nothing has changed. Can I just tick a box that says nothing has changed, right. everything's the same, and then you know just sign that? It's not the filling out the forms that frustrates me. It's filling out the forms in 2022 that frustrates me. Yes. The technology exists. And now I believe that there are a lot of hospitals and medical establishments are getting on this new system that's called MyChart, and there are other ones like it, where I think it will be a more pervasive like we want. But seriously, it's like the upside down ketchup bottle. It's like how many <laughs> years have to go by before somebody comes in and solves this problem? We have AI making art for us, right. but I still have to fill out your stupid forms. And they're they're smeared because it's a photocopy of a photocopy. And it's just like, you guys are going to be looking at the inside of my body with the latest technology available in medicine in the United States. And yet, I have to fill out this form. Right. Again, and nothing has changed. Well, I don't understand. Even even if you don't use the technology, so you've got this form that I filled out for you last year, right? But but we have to get a new one from you for the insurance every year. It's not us; it's for the insurance. Okay, great. Print out the one I did last year, and I'll just sign it and date it at the bottom for you. How's that? Exactly. I mean, it doesn't this doesn't require any technology? Just print out the one I did for you last year, where I've already filled everything, and I'll put a new signature on it and this year's date, and then you can give that to the insurance company, and that's perfectly fine. Well, inside your insurance company, right? Like you're you're basically everything I do is inside the same hospital system. So we're on Orlando Health. There are two big health systems in Central Florida: Orlando Health and Florida Hospital, or Advent Health, it's called. So you should be able to go and just fill out on the Orlando Health website or on your insurance company's website and that they should it should just be done my like and it's not just filling out specific even medical questions which can change but like it's like filling out all of the same stuff like I got to put my birthday in six times every right. time I fill out the form so I make one master form that's got my name birthday, social security number, eight, the whole nine yards, and then it will populate all the other forms. And anything that's not on that master form, I could update. And guess what? Let me, let me tell you something. My dad is 81 years old. He has not developed any new medical problems in the last <laughs> few years. Yes, our family history is still exactly the same as it was the very first day I came to this office. Why are you making me do this? Take me to the office of the person who's making me do this because yes. I want to give them a piece of my mind. Yes, I yes. So tired of doing this yes and then when i went into the actual exam room uh the girl walks in with a pad in her hand and she goes okay you still taking these four medications i said yeah she goes do you have any new allergies or anything i need to know about i go no she goes okay she turns around she goes sign that with your finger i said okay signed it done i'm like yeah that, why why wasn't that what was happening at the front why <laughs> that, can't we do that, that? why was that was so simple why wasn't that what we just did at the front so yeah that's mm. I'm the old I'm the old guy who's annoyed. No, no, I do it every time and I've been doing it and I do, you know I've been my dad when my dad lived with me and when grandpa lived with us and I, I was at the doctor like every week filling out different forms every week the same forms constantly and uh, I just became very frustrated with how low tech the paperwork part is. And yeah. speaking of technology, there's one more thing I wanted to talk about before we get into photography news and I feel like we have enough time to do it. This has been a lot more in the news lately. And I think it's, it bears speaking about, because I've had a few people reach out to me and ask me about this. Let's go back in time to 2019, maybe 2018, and talk about the hottest new social media app on the market, Vero. Wow. Remember Vero? No. Remember when we did that? <laughs> am, no? I just, am I just lost my memory? I don't remember Vero. Vero. Vero is a social media app 
that was basically started, I think, 2018, maybe. And it was essentially supposed when Instagram had changed its algorithm to the point where the, 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 they lost the chronological timeline. They were adding all kinds of extra stuff to it and people were starting to become disillusioned. Like, I want Instagram just to be Instagram. And so Vero comes out. That's V-E-R-O, Vero. And it was being really pushed. It was like a venture capital thing and a bl- everybody signed up for it and then everybody was like, well, this is boring and they stopped using it and then everybody just went back to Instagram. And recently, a couple, and, and whether this is promote, you know, it's kind of an underhanded paid promotion or whatever, a few big influencers have started pushing Vero again on YouTube and other platforms. Like, because it has certain advantages, there's certain things about it that are very cool. And it is, you know, it, it's not, I don't think it's what people think it is, but I, I logged back in after not having logged in for a couple of years, just to make sure that I still didn't want to do it. And it's, uh, it's pretty, pretty great. Like, it's, it's really slick. It's really beautiful looking. It has some cool advantages. For example, you can upload any, a photo of any orientation. It doesn't have to be four by five or square. And when you tap on a photo, it'll actually resolve it to full resolution and you can turn the phone and view a landscape photo in full res. It's got lots of cool, slick features and a chronological timeline. And it's really pretty looking and images look fantastic on it. So it has some advantages. But the problem with Vero is, is that still, except for a few influencers here and there, nobody's really using it. And so when, when you're, you got to think that like most people using social media don't have thousands of followers that they interact with, right? Like I would, what, what do you think probably the average number of your, you know, just, you know, one of your kids or some, or, you know, high school students, colleges, how many friends, call it less than 500. Right. Let's say that the vast majority of people using Instagram have less than 500 followers. So if you've got a chronological feed and 200 followers to, and, and an algorithm that doesn't suggest you anything... How fast do you think you go through your your feed when you log into Pretty that? Pretty quick, app? and I love that. I love the chronological feed. Just show me that's been posted in order, so I can get a sense of the day or whatever. But if there aren't that many people on there, and and right. you don't have a ton of people that you're following, you get through. Not only do you get through it really quick, but you end up seeing the same posts over and over and over again. And so, like, it's I, the thing is, I think that probably. Technology-wise, interface-wise, I think Vero is great. And I think it's better for displaying photos than Instagram is because you have a lot more options and it resolves them n- uh, more nicely. But I, it, unless people start using it, and, and I will also tell you this, the minute that a ton of people start using it and that you know people actually get active on it, because it's kind of like LinkedIn, like everyone has a profile. You, in fact, have a profile. On Vero, so I know that you've used it. I do. I have you a profile do. on. V- I have a. Well, I have a profile on LinkedIn too. I'm, I'm, yeah, we did this together three years ago. We talked about this on the podcast like three years ago, four years I'm ago. Make a note, Vero, to go check out my my Vero profile. You're on there, yeah. And so, yeah, once you get a, that many people on there, the first they're going to change the algorithm and they're going to start putting suggestions and stuff in there. Like social, like as much as you get irritated by how Instagram and Facebook are now, if you go back to a straight chronological feed, I don't think that people are going to like it as much as they think they are. And the other thing is, is that they're not going to like it because you're not going to spend much time on the platform. 
because there's just not much to do. But if you, if, the, the cool thing is right now that I would recommend, just in case Vero does get really popular and it becomes kind of like the next big platform that people migrate to, which I don't think it will, but if it does, they just changed it so you can, you can get a unique username just like you can on Instagram or whatever. So go grab your name. Go grab your, you know, you can make it so you are at Ray Perry or whatever, and do that to make sure that you have it. And that way, just in case it pops off, you have it. But um, I recommend going and checking out is pretty slick. What I've decided to do is I don't like to do a social media platform without having like a specific thing that I do with that platform. And so I've decided to make Vero uh, the place where I'm posting pictures that I take with my phone, only pictures with my phone. So I'm trying to take, you know, when I'm out and about and traveling, which this time of year, I start traveling a lot. So I'm trying to sh- post photos from my phone that I use that are like interesting and creative and see what kind of cool stuff I can use just taking pictures with my phone. So that's uh, that's what I'm going to use it for for right now to see how it goes. But, uh, you know, might be worth checking out and grabbing your name. Give me a chronological feed. And then at the end of the chronological feed, meaning like uh, the chronological feed, when you start scrolling, it only goes through the last 24 hours. And then you hit a suggested feed where you can see other stuff that you might want to follow. That's right. what I want right there. Just that. And here's the thing. I'm tired of all of this. Give me a chronological feed. And if somebody posts too much, I will stop following them. You know what I mean? That's what I, that's what I like. Just let people curate their own feed. I stop, okay. I stop following people like crazy on Facebook. If I go through Facebook and I see you post too much and it's stuff I'm not interested in, unfollow. We're still friends, but I'm unfollow. I don't, I don't need, I don't want to see, you know, 18 pictures of your dog a day or whatever, you know? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. If somebody's too active, I'm just uh, yeah. I'm sorry. I, then I'll just unfollow, unfollow. Or if you're too whatever, you know, uh, you know, and a topic I don't, I don't really need in my feed, then I just unfollow. We're still friends. It just means I don't, you know, I'm not going to lunch with you today, every day, dude. When you're gonna, because <laughs> you're, you're driving me crazy, <laughs> or whatever. That's what I like. Just let me curate it. Just give me a straight like Instagram feed, chronological, and be real. Be real is gonna die. Yeah, and there's no question. Well, I got a little bit of uh, bombardier feedback on the Vero issue, by the way, because we uh, we post about it. Paul Richardson posted, I'd love to hear all your comments on Vero. Seems to be far better than Instagram, but without the user base, does it have a chance or Instagram just adopt its better bits and move on, resistance being futile? And so uh, Rich chimes in, yeah, it's somewhat lackluster. It needs to evolve to compete with the big boys. Chris says, never heard of it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> which is cool. Jimmy says, I'm just getting my feet wet and I barely posted on it, but I like to see others' images on it and how it's presented. I love the chronological order and it just looks better. Joe says, I registered for it when it was new and have been playing around with it again lately. It's got a slick interface and a lot of nice features. It's definitely more photographer friendly and it hasn't gotten the real TikTok rabbit hole, which is what I like about it. So there's uh, more feedback on there. And by the way, all that feedback comes from our Facebook group, the Bombardier's Lounge. Just go to facebook.com slash group slash Bombardier's Lounge and, uh, and join in the conversation. And with that, it is time for Photography News. Photography, photography News. If you're like most photographers, you didn't go into business for the paperwork. Does the chaos of invoices, emails, and to-dos make you crazy? Well, that's where 17 Hats comes in. Their all-in-one mobile-friendly platform organizes your business. 17 Hats handles the time-sucking tasks like payment reminders, capturing leads, scheduling your images. With 17 Hats, important emails go out automatically, and quotes, contracts, and invoices, click, click, paid. Small wonder that thousands of photographers swear by 17 hats. You'll free up so much time from day-to-day stealing to-dos, it's like you've cloned yourself. You'll be able to focus on what you do best. 
photography. Meanwhile, 17 Hats does exactly what you need done to manage your business, just as if you were doing it. So why not clone yourself with 17 Hats? Visit 17hats.com to learn more. And be sure and use the code PHOTOBOMB to get 50% off your first year. All right, lots of stories in uh, photography news this week. Lots of little stories, not any, not any really big, like, oh, we've got to absolutely talk about this. I, ha- I have a big one, but we can save it. Okay, we'll do that. Well, I wanted to immediately, there's a lot of, there's a lot of stories about our robot overlords uh, this week. May they be praised. May they be praised, along may they reign. But uh, the one I found most interesting was uh, that they say there are now thousands of AI-generated images that are for sale on stock photo websites. Right. I, I saw this also, which, which is fascinating to think about because why? Like You can go create your own image. Well, you could do that with regular photos as well, but you just can't necessarily do that from your computer. Right, you can't do it you know what I mean? easily. And, Correct. and along with that story, I also saw that there are now people who are selling prompts for AI. Okay, yes, this is worth, this bears discussion. <laughs> yeah. Like selling, selling right. your prompts. Selling your prompts. So, so here's the words that I used to, it, it's, like, it's, like people, it's like people saying, okay, I'm going to sell you the special words that Alexa will actually react to to tell you what the temperature is. Or whatever, like there, you know, there's like it's a secret because there's no like manual for this AI where they say here's all the words that will produce these of these effects. The truth is, it's it's AI and it's always learning and, and everything as it goes. So the entire English language is at your disposal. So these people now are saying, I have figured out that these keywords and these combinations will produce these effects. I have this recipe that will produce something like this. And if you want to produce something like this, here's the recipe. Let me sell it to you. How do we feel mm. about that, Gary? I don't know, man. I there there's there's a part of me that wonders: Are we just those old guys? Are we are we Waldorf and Statler? Are we sitting in the balcony <laughs> of the theater, like making fun of things? Okay. Well, first of all, the fact that we're old lies in the fact that you just dropped a Waldorf and Statler reference, <laughs> and and I absolutely know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. There are a lot of people. Anyone under the age of probably forty doesn't know who Waldorf and Statler are. Well, you know, the, the, are we are are we just sort of like technology or like because I think this has some seriously cool implications in a lot of ways. And one of the other stories we pulled up is also there's a video editing program called Runway that's that's added the ability to put video prompts in, and it will generate using AI video assets and the ability to edit and change colors and do all kinds of cool things with it, all using AI. And so, you know, there's an incredible amount of really cool stuff that can come from this. Uh, the only thing where I think I'm struggling is in the, the originality of it, in, in looking at it as something that an artist created. And so it's now it's come down to these prompts. And these prompts are, what can you think of something that is going to make a really cool image? And here's the, the real question is, selling those prompts... What is that going to do? Like, are you selling, like, here's the the blueprint for how to get good images, or here are the prompts, the specific prompts I use to create this specific image. And if that's so, why not just buy the image? So I, you know, I it does seem really stupid. It seems about as stupid as NFTs to well, me. Well, I mean, it's, 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 it seems a little bit like, why not buy the image? Well, that's like, why take a class on how to be a photographer when you could just buy that photographer's images because you want to create it. You right. want to have some control and some power. 
But the real question is, how much real, I mean, using prompts to create art, will that take the place of artistic creativity as we classically know it? And I guess there's a little bit of, um, I don't want to say jealousy, uh, a little bit of annoyance, that's especially coming from the art world, that what you're going to see is you're going to see a lot of people and they buy prompts and they, they learn all these prompts and this becomes their thing and they make this AR art with these prompts and they consider themselves to be an artist. And, and, these, and there's going to be so many people who are just going to be, this is going to be a huge culture war in the art community where the people who know how to use a brush, who know how to use ink, who know how to use Photoshop or paint are going to say, you are not an artist. And I don't know, because when Photoshop and, and paint came along, I'm sure there was a big war between the people who painted with oils and acrylics saying, you're not an artist because you're using a brush in Photoshop. You know, that's an interesting thing in another article I saw recently is like, do people who created art using traditional mediums like oil and watercolor, like, did they have this same reaction towards photography exactly. when it became popularized in the late 1800s? You know, so when... You know, who is the, the Civil War photographer, Matthew... Uh, Brady, was it Brady? Matthew Brady, yeah. When he goes and creates all these incredible portraits all around the United States, you know, of the Civil War and, and you know, is getting in art museums and gaining fame. And one of the founders of PPA, actually, it was Matthew Brady, if you didn't know that. Um, but um, it, when that, the photographic revolution started happening, did people who are classical artists using those traditional mediums, were they feeling like their art was in danger? Of course Because they were. The, uh, previous to photography, the only way that you could get a portrait done was if someone painted it, right? And now someone can just push a button, and now your image is perfectly recorded in silver. You know what I mean? So, like, is this similar? Yeah. Is this a similar thing? I think it is, but I also think that Unlike photography and the encroachment that it made on, on say, portrait work, that there weren't a whole lot of people who really, there were people who loved photography and they think photography is neat and they say photography is an art form. But still, most people understand that Storm on the Sea of Galilee, you know, you know by Rembrandt is different than someone who took a picture of a hurricane. And so... They, you know, I know at least I do. Like for me, it's like degrees. Like I love great photography, but I never, I will never put it on the same pedestal that I put the great masters of of painting. Right. Art. I sometimes technology comes along and it clearly obliterates the need for right. something else. But that's what we're seeing with AI now is that AI is creating work that absolutely can obliterate what digital artists do. Do you think that in the world we live in? that it's not this to me this isn't a automobile versus the horse and buggy it's not you know passenger planes versus steamships it's it's like it, this is something different and i think that people over time as this technology settles into our day to day i think people will know the difference between those things oh i don't think so you don't think so oh you don't think you telling me right now I, that I, I could put some of the top stuff that you see in competition in the artist category now next to some ai generated images and you would instantly be able to tell which ones were created by a person with a brush in photoshop and which ones were created by ai yeah i guess not you know but i'm thinking more in the terms of uh, portraiture for specific like commercial uses of specific people and stuff but it's coming did you see there was a story about a guy who went to who tried to get ai to reproduce his image of him right and the ai did yeah. an incredible job of creating 
Uh, yeah. It certainly looked like his brother. Yeah, yeah, if I remember. It didn't look exactly like him, but yeah. It's absolutely coming where, where you'll be able to just take a bunch of cell phone pictures of yourself and feed them into the AI and say, give me a really nice portrait where I'm in a wing chair sitting with a backdrop in a Victorian mansion and blah, blah, and boop, here it comes. And you would right. have had to hire a photographer to go on location and shoot that and light it and then retouch it. Yeah, how long before the cover of Vanity Fair is an AI image? Yes. And then they'll like and and they'll just take a bunch of images of, you know, Kate Blanchett and they'll go like, "Hey, don't worry, we have permission to use your likeness. We're just going to use AI to generate the scene." And yeah, she'll be that's like, "Fine. Fine. You yeah. don't even have to fly out to New York to do it. You could just stay right where you're at and we'll we'll make the we'll make it. We'll send it to you for And they approval. won't think twice about it because they've been doing it for years with everything else. I mean, you know, right. the poster for Pretty Woman, that's not Julia Roberts' body. Right. That's yeah, her exactly. head, but it's a, but it's a, it, but it's a model's body. Yeah, it's certainly it's certainly going to be uh, interesting times moving forward to see how this affects photographers commercially. I I really I really am looking forward to it. So, uh actually I'm not. I mean, yes I am. May they be praised. I for one welcome yes. our robot overlords. Um, so let's uh, let's talk about TikTok. Okay. Uh, TikTok has now officially rolled out its Be Real clone called TikTok Now, which is going to be uh, essentially works exactly like Be Real works, but part of the TikTok platform. So in a stunning move, TikTok, one of the fastest growing, most original platforms for social media that young people actually like and use has decided that it's going to take a page out of Instagram's playbook and copy another social media platform and, to try and uh, stay relevant. So is this a, a good or a bad indicator for, for TikTok, do you think? Are they afraid to get knocked off the top spot of being the coolest social media app? I think it's fine. And the reason I think it's fine is because I really think that what Be Real does is something that is really best left as just an addition to something that already exists. Like for instance, me, I'm, I'm, yeah, I was one. Of the, I was an early adopter of Be Real, and yet I probably haven't posted on it in three or four days because it always comes up. Oh, time to post Be Real. I'm like, oh, another picture of what I'm eating, or another picture of the TV I'm watching. It always seems to pop up when I'm on the toilet. I'm like, you know what? I should just post one of these. I like the idea of it, but also like my kids are on Be Real and they're already gaming it. Like they're already, right. they're not doing, they're not using it for its improvement. So when you think about it, just having a little feature in your, in your Instagram or in your Snapchat or whatever, where it's just like, oh, we just have this one little side thing where we encourage people to post. But what I would like for them to do is you can't be late. It should be, that was, a, that was what I loved about the whole Be Real idea was that this is a glimpse of a two minute window in everyone's day at the exact same time and you can post anytime you want really it, ju it just says you posted late yeah you know if they want to encourage people to do it but i love the idea that you could only post her in the two minute window right yeah or may and or maybe it gives you a couple of different opportunities per day instead of just once go. a day like right. if you miss the first opportunity here's a second opportunity right. or something like that rather than like ah, i'll get to it later Right, you know, like so, yeah, I, yeah, I see. I like because the urgency of it is kind of what's cool about it. Right, and now that it doesn't do that anymore. There's no urgency to it, which makes me go, "Oh, it says supposed to be real." Well, I'm, nothing's happening as now. It's interesting. I'll, oh, later I'm doing something, so I'll I'll wait until then. To, and now you're gaming it, and you're and the whole idea was that you weren't supposed to be gaming it. But also, the bad side is most of the time people are doing stuff that's not really worth seeing anyway. Yeah, oh yeah, that's I think I think the problem with be real it's just uh, revealing how mundane everyone's life is. <laughs> yeah. Like half the time it's seriously because it's a lot of photographers that I, that I engage with on there 
and it's like just them, including myself, by the way, them sitting in front of a computer editing images yeah. nine times out of ten. It's like, yeah, that's what our life yeah. is. We sit in front of a computer and and edit images. That's pretty much the yeah. job. Yeah. And I got to tell you, I'm finding myself more and more pushing away from social media. I guess this is a sign of getting older. But I'm finding myself more and more just going, I mean, how many years can you see the same stuff over and over and over on social media before you start to go, I don't need to go look at, you know what I mean? I don't. Uh. I would love to see it in a world where it exists, but it's not like what our entire social lives are centered around. You know, right. I think that maybe, you know, we're still in the, really social media is still in its infancy. But I think that it's important to note that every social media platform is scrambling because people eventually just don't use it as much. And so, you know, I, if it goes back the other way and it just becomes kind of a stable part of your life and people go, you know what, I'd like to just go outside and, or maybe I'll just enjoy a thing without taking a video of it or, or whatever, right. you know what I mean? And posting it to everybody. And, and I wouldn't mind living in that world where there's a little more of a balance because I tell you what, going around, I know this is going to sound like an, a, an old farts kind of a thing, but going around and, and seeing people, like four people sitting at a table having dinner and everyone's on their phones, and you're like, guys, why go out to dinner? Right. Like, why are you there with each other? Why are you doing it? You know, I don't understand it. Like, maybe we'll come back around the other way to where people are like, you know what? Social media is cool and everything, but look at the value that we get from just, you know, being with each other and laughing at each other's jokes instead of like finding a meme and just holding your phone up to the other person so they can see your meme and then going back to your phone. Like, that just seems dumb. I tell you what I would like. I would like a combination of the two where there was a site that was like Facebook, like Facebook or like Twitter or like Instagram, and you could only post once a day. Hmm. You could post once a day. So when you went to that, you could go chronological because when you there was only going to be one post from each of your friends, if that. And so you were just getting a glimpse of the day whatever they wanted to post. But you also couldn't post every two seconds about whatever. You're like, I only get to post once. So what am I going to post today? Because if I post a picture of my dog, that's it for the day. And yeah. that's fine. I would probably post a picture of my dog. But I'm just saying, instead of it just being, let me just throw out every little blah out at you. I'm just going to post once a day something interesting or something I want to say or even a funny meme or whatever. But once a day. I only need to hear from people once a day. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, let's uh, let's keep an eye on all that, how it's going. So your prediction is B-Real's going under? Yeah, B-Real's going to go under, sure. It's, 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 it can't, it's, not, it's just going to get old really, really quick. Yeah, I think it does. You know, we're talking about being old, too. Did you see that Adobe spent $20 billion to buy Figma? Uh, which begs the question, what's Figma? Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for stepping <laughs> on my joke. <laughs> because that's exactly where I was going. I was, was like, I was like, I don't even know what Figma is. They paid twenty billion dollars. I don't even know what it is. Yeah, I mean, that's. I mean, that it's just you. You think that Adobe, which is such a big part of our lives on a daily basis, if they were going to acquire something for twenty billion dollars, we'd at least have some kind of passing familiarity right. with it. But I don't. I had no idea what it was, and until I started reading the article, and I read the article, and I couldn't even like. I still don't know what it is. I still here, here's what it's, here's the article says. Um, it allows designers of interactive mobile and web applications to collaborate via its software ecosystem. Since being founded in 2012, it's amassed a following of millions of designers, developers, and students. It's currently used by Microsoft to support the Office and Windows products. And uh, I still don't know what... And what, what do you do on it? <laughs> yeah, there's got to be... There's going to be a YouTube video that somebody's been like, okay, everybody, I'm going to explain to you what Figma is in under two minutes and why Adobe's paying $20 billion for it. But, uh, you know, according to the article I read, I think that came from Petapixel, I didn't really uh, understand 
you know what it was but then i read that uh it, that it seems to be overvalued and that a lot of shareholders aren't really pleased with the move so i guess we'll see where that goes but uh so congratulations figma I yeah guess. congratulations whatever it is that you do yeah <laughs> it's you know i'm not sure it's it's like when your kid gets a job that you don't understand it's like if you tell your granddad that you're a twitch streamer and you're like Ah, oh, sounds good. Uh, sure. So you're an accountant? No, 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 Granddad. I, I, uh, I, I stream on Twitch. Um, you're working as an environmental <laughs> consultant? No, 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 no. I'm streaming on Twitch. Yeah. Streaming. So, like, marine biology? No, no. Uh, yes, Granddad. I'm a marine. I'm, I'm a marine, marine biologist. biologist. Yes, yes. <laughs> that's me. I work with whales. That's what I do. Yes. Uh, hey, by the way, there's two things I think we should combine here. Okay. That will solve all of our problems. Um, one is that Miley Cyrus is being sued. Uh-huh. Once again, we see this story all the time. Miley Cyrus, somebody, she got a picture from a paparazzi. She posted it on her Instagram. Now the paparazzi is suing her. Okay, so we've seen this story a hundred times. My question, as always, is where did she get the picture? Did you post it on Instagram? Because as much as I am a copyright guy, I also feel that we are moving in towards a situation where we have to start saying that if you post an image someplace like Instagram, this whole purpose of that app is for it to be shown, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Now, here's the thing. Instagram has also announced that they are going to start experimenting with a repost feature. Mm. And the same way that Twitter does, where you can just share or repost someone's Twitter thing. And I think this would solve a lot of problems. If, because then you're a paparazzi guy or whatever, you post a picture of Miley Cyrus. Instead of her copying it and pasting it into her feed, she just reposts your feed and now it's you automatic get, attribution yeah which now great. you get you get attribution and because the whole and you couldn't you can't you can't argue now that she stole your picture because you posted it on this app specifically to get eyeballs on it and to get attention for your feed and that's exactly what she just gave you yeah but i also think that there's a part of this and this is definitely untenable in the long term but i do feel like that if you're a paparazzi or a, or a, or a photojournalist or a sports photographer or something like that when when a multimillionaire celebrity you know takes your copyrighted image and just uses it i almost feel like there's like a yep god yeah. hit the jackpot <laughs> yeah, yeah you know what go. i mean cuz you, you know you're going to get time. paid you know you're you know you're going to get paid right yeah i mean i think it's cool but i think it'll be a real bummer to the people that like you know are making a living off of suing celebrities for using their photos <laughs> yeah <laughs> Yeah. All right. All right. I I think it would be great if they didn't have to sue. I think that I think that there there has to be, you know, you're throwing your picture out into the. You're, it's like you're. It's like you take a whole bunch of four by sixes and you go to go to the party and you throw them out in the room. Here they are for everybody to look at. And somebody grabs one of them and goes, "Oh, well, I'm going to take this and throw it out at my party." Oh no, no, can't do that. Well, yeah. you threw them out at a party for everybody to. You know, I mean, there's there's that argument can be made. Of course, I'm not arguing against copyright protection, but I'm just saying I didn't say I looked in the article. I looked. I couldn't find where she got the picture. Right. That's the thing. You know, wouldn't it be cool, though, if if on Instagram, Instagram added like a, the ability to license an image like and you could turn that option on your posts. So if an image if it, on and not just a repost, you could like directly through Instagram license the photo be like hey i like this photo i would like to use it and then push a you know push a button 
pay with your whatever Apple Pay or your your you know your your Android Pay or whatever it is, and you could license the image and right through the platform. Oh, oh, I think ooh, yes. Why okay. w- why wouldn't you be able to do that? That would be really cool. You can repost anyone, and when you repost them, it's like they either have given a common license where like you and I put something on Instagram, it's common. Anyone can repost it. But if you wanted to, you could fix it so that if you want to repost this, it costs a nickel. Or, or you could repost it with attribution or repost it without attribution using and a license and pay the licensing fee. But I like the idea. I think there's more money to be made in setting up so you could repost it for a dime or a nickel. And then if yeah. you put out a picture that goes really viral and gets reposted thousands of times. Absolutely. Then you could get paid really well for your image. Okay. Th- that's the new, that's the bomb. That's the photobomb app. We need to build that. That's okay, good. go ahead and uh, get on that. We're going to copyright that right now. That's the photobomb app. That, that's what it'll be about. <laughs> Do you know how to build an app? No, I don't. Oh, me either. Okay, and we'll so... get a percentage. We'll get a nice, just a small, like, say, 80% of the proceeds. Sounds and then, good. Yeah. And then you'll get the other 20%. That's good money for you. I think that's that's basically uh, free fair. money. I love passive fair. income. That's yes. good stuff. So I got one big story. Uh, this comes from Canon Rumors, and this is going to be industry news uh, for Nikon people. So this is pretty exciting. So if you're a Nikon person and you don't follow the news, uh, the alleged, alleged, allegedly, the alleged Nikon Z camera roadmap has leaked. And here's what's exciting. Currently, it is the month of September. So uh, what's going to happen, according to this article, is that two months from now, Nikon is going to announce a whole bunch of new cameras, including the Nikon Z7 III, the Nikon Z6 III, uh, a Nikon that will both supposed to be announced in 22, and the plan for the cameras is to have the Nikon Z8, which apparently will be like not quite flagship camera, the ZF, which is probably going to be a remake of the Nikon DF, which was the sort of uh, retro-looking one. It was basically like the Nikon D3, but with that retro film body. Very cool looking. Yeah, it was a great little camera. Um, the Z5 Mark II, the Z90, and the Z50 Mark II. So it's got uh, two of those are APS-C bodies. One of them is the second version of the Z50, which I feel like just came out. So it, it looks to be that Nikon is moving really, really fast. So this is going to be the third version of the Z3 or the Z6 and the Z7. And so whereas I don't think Canon or even Sony is going to, has been putting out updates to their cameras as fast as these are going to be coming out. So um, is Nikon playing a little bit of catch up, you think? I know. I feel, I feel like that they, when they released that last camera, what was the last camera they released? The big that one. Z, the Z9. Yeah, when they released the Z9, it was like, Nikon's on the way out, Nikon's dead. And here comes the Z9. Bam, like this giant boulder, like the anvil dropping on Wile E. Coyote. There's another reference that no one gets that they're under 40. <laughs> and Acme, it says yeah, Acme. And Acme, Acme, it just, boom, that thing hit. And suddenly everybody's like, guess what? Best camera on the market. Hello, Nikon. Yeah. And now Nikon's like, and here comes the roadmap of the next 12 cameras. We're gonna, they're, like, they're not going to go quietly into that night. No, no, they they seem to be to push it out here, and they're gonna. I think they're going to have probably the best lineup of APS-C, or at least certainly the most diverse of APS-C cameras for anybody in mirrorless right now. Sony doesn't seem to be doing making a whole lot of big moves, although they've had the APS-C mirrorless for quite some time. Uh, they don't seem to be putting in a ton of exciting entries into that. At, whereas obviously Fuji is 
and uh, Canon has just stepped into it with the R7 and the R10, and I, I had, can't speak for the R10, but the R7 is a fantastic camera. But the um, you know this is a pretty good looking lineup for Nikon users to be able to continue to feel smug and superior. Uh, I think that's, that's pretty. <laughs> nice. Although I I was interested that the Z6 and Z7 are going to be getting a new update so soon because they came out with the Z6, they came out with Z7, and I'm not big fans of either of those cameras. Although they had to get something onto the market, and I realized that. But both of those cameras are very very flawed. And they came out with the Z6 II and the Z7 II, both great cameras, much improved over the first versions. So what it looks like you're going to get with the Z7 III is going to be a 45-megapixel sensor, but it's going to be backside illuminated and do 8K video. So that'll be a pretty nice little upgrade, and uh, supposedly those announcements will come in November 22. So Nikon users, hang tight. Uh, in about two months, you should hear uh, some some good news for you guys. It's very exciting times, I think, for the Nikon users. I, th- I think that they were a little worried for a while. Yeah. And now, and yes, now they're like, and like, okay, okay, they're still here. Yeah, all right. Uh, there were some software stories uh, this week. Just a couple I would touch, touch on them real quick. Um, if, you, if you use Topaz Photo, uh, Topaz is known for its denoise, its sharpen, and its gigapixel AI, which is an upscaling. Yeah, people love these softwares. Yeah. I heard a lot of good things. They are now combining all three of them into one suite. So you will be able to buy one suite, and it's got all three things in it. That's going to be a nice little uh, thing. And, of course, they are still using a lot of AI, uh, to, and the idea being that you'll be able to just one-click click the button. It will sharpen it to the sharpness that it needs to be at. It will upscale it, I guess, if it needs to be upscaled. Uh, and uh, it will denoise it at the same time. So one of the problems with with this software, is, and it's good software, is that I feel the need for it is you know that the niche that they're trying to fulfill is going away as cameras get better and better at their automatic focusing routines and working in low light it's like i can remember when i first started out using a canon 40d i ran noise ninja on all my pictures every from the party. file every single right. file from reception yeah yeah and i haven't run i haven't run a denoising program now in a decade no, I it's been it's been years since yeah. I even you know don't even use the the reduced noise filters that are built into yeah. you know, Camera Raw, Capture One, or Lightroom. Yeah, and I don't even and I, and also and I don't know if this is just a Capture One thing if you experienced this, but I used to sharpen all of my images in Bridge before I yes. convert them. I don't touch them in Capture One. No, I don't touch. No, well, you know, I've got a whole. Uh, I could give a whole dissertation on why you shouldn't sharpen your images. You should. Just- right. I don't know if it's because I, I think it might just be because. My Fuji has better in camera, even with the RAWs. I think maybe it's just it's just better at, than the than the Canon was. The Canon was just a little soft. Yeah, I had a whole conversation with somebody about sharpening. At a, I taught a class on printing at Shutterfest, and they're like, "Well, how do you sharpen for print?" I'm like, "I don't." They're like, "What do you mean?" Because I don't. I was like, "It's just you, you, you know, it doesn't like the software is so good, and the cameras are so good." And prints are about viewing distance. And so, like, how sharp do you want it to be? Are you making it sharp so it looks good to your eye? Because I feel like when most people are sharpening stuff, they're usually just ballsing up their their image. Right. You know, they're just making it look bad. And so, yeah. No, I haven't... Again, this stuff is not part of my day-to-day. But I do feel like the market for this is huge because... The people who want to up-res images and remove noise, you're going to get a lot of wildlife photographers and landscape photographers. And I think that if you're going to go into photography as a hobby, 
you're going to find that people who shoot wildlife, birds, and landscapes, and whatever, uh, I think those outnumber working professional portrait photographers to the tune of a, a thousand to one. You know, and so that's really, I think, who this software is aimed at. You know, working portrait photographers aren't really going to need to use this stuff. But I think it's definitely much more of a, and I don't say this to be negative, much more of an enthusiast type of software than it is for most working pros on a daily basis. Not that it wouldn't be useful for certain things, but uh, I think that they went in designing the functions of these software into a much larger market, which is really the smart thing to do business-wise. Tokina has come out with a, a new lens for Sony shooters for APS-C cameras. Uh, and, oh, please, Tokina, would you make one for Fuji while you're at it? Uh, they've made an 11 to 18 millimeter f2.8 for Sony APS-C. Oh, you would, love, you would love that. It's right in the pocket. 16 to 24, pretty much. It's 16 um, to 35, yeah. something like that? I'd like it if it's a little bit wider. Uh, at the wide end, would be great. But I think it runs for about 600 700 bucks. It uses all the full autofocus features and everything. Uh, it runs 699 So if you are a Sony APS-C user, you might want to take a look at this lens. This might be good. I, I, um, I had a moment this uh, weekend where I started to break down on my commitment to the buying the, HS, the uh, X-H2. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. no. <laughs> oh no is this going to be another one of Bure goes down a rabbit hole yeah. deciding what camera to buy you know me I'm going to go back and forth I'm going to go back and forth you're going to make spreadsheets it's going to be a thing the thing is I have I have a wide angle lens for parties and I use it a lot at parties but it's only uh, I think 4.5 or 3.5 or 4.5 at the you know is is a maximum because the difference in price is a thousand dollars you can buy the 4.5 for a thousand or you can buy the 2.8 for for two thousand, right? Yeah, that's a lot for one stuff. And I looked into it, and I realized that I don't really shoot at two point eight that much with that lens. But I also realized that that was with my full frame. I didn't shoot at two point eight. I'll shoot at two point eight with my APS-C. Right. And so I wouldn't mind having that lens. It's only a thousand dollars more. And I started thinking, what's going to impact my work more, the XH two or being able to shoot at two point eight? in a dark room party. The difference is going to be, you're still going to be holding that camera that's too small for your yeah. hands. Yeah, and that's, a, because that's the thing. The XH2, really, it's all about, I'm getting better ergonomics and I'm getting a bigger file size and that's it. Because everything else doesn't really, apply. oh, and better autofocus. Because everything else doesn't apply to me. All the video stuff really doesn't apply okay, to me. Okay, so all all it does is it's comfortable in your hand, it's a larger file and the autofocus is better. Yeah, totally not worth too the upgrade. Grand. Boo. Too grand. So yeah, too yeah, but you can grand. sell something else. Else, you know, you could sell your XT30, and uh, you know, you'll be in good right. shape, man. Right. So. I, I'm still, I'm, I'm still on board. But what it really brought to mind was the idea that have we reached the point now where the idea that the next great camera from your manufacturer is going to be so game changing for you is going away? Yeah, it's 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 much more incremental now, yeah. isn't it? Like, how good can they get at this yeah. point? There's going to have to be a fundamental shift in the base technology in order for us to make a big jump. Because, like, honestly, a shooting with the R5 and the R7, there's not much between those two cameras that I can't get done, you know? So, like, you're going to really have to impress me to move. And, and like I did with my other Canons, I'm going to hold on to them for a long time. But I think they know that about camera bodies, you know what I mean? Like... At what point is shooting at 60 frames per second wildlife with animals eyeball tracking focus is like what, how, okay, let's, I'm just, 
interested to see what they're going to do next. It's just going to be figuring out how to jam more megapixels in, which to be fair, to be fair, a lot of us aren't that interested in because it just means more work. Right. I just feel like it's much more incremental now. And it's tougher when it's incremental and it's still going to cost you two or three or four thousand dollars for this incremental incremental change. But when we're getting to that point, I mean, the the Fuji X100V they haven't even talked about the next camera in that series, and I'm pretty sure it's because they can't come up with any justifiable thing to put in it that would make it worth upgrading. Hmm. <laughs> you know, and we're seeing that with all yeah, cameras now. You're still going to get that camera uh, because it's going to be uh, nice in your hands. Right. Hey, so uh, before we finish the show, I just wanted to say one last thing. I am now confirmed as a speaker for the Society of Wedding and Portrait Photographers Convention in London in 2023. That's going to be Wednesday, the 15th through Saturday, the 18th of March, 2023. They've got a free trade show, which is just one of the best you'll see out there. And I'm going to be doing two different classes and judging in the 20 by 16 print competition so i'm looking forward to that you can get all that information at the societies.net slash convention and i'll also post a link to that into the bombardiers lounge at some point i know it's a little bit away but i know we have a lot of uk bombardiers and if you want to hang out have a pint shoot the crap whatever i will be in london so get on a train and uh, and i'll see you there Photobomb is written and produced by Blu-ray Perry and Gary Hughes, edited by Face Fioretti. You can find us online, facebook.com slash groups slash Bombardier's Lounge. Bombardier's. Our website is photobombpodcast.com. Gary's is hughesfioretti.com. And mine is so blu-rayperry.com. I plowed right through you there, didn't I? You did. That's okay. <laughs> I forgive you. I've, I've messed up this outro so many times. Please yeah. continue. You can email us questions at photobombpodcast.com. We'll see you back here next week. See you later.